The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan and now back to the podcast and P.S. I decided to wear red lipstick today because I've been wearing no makeup on YouTube and I feel like if I put red lipstick on everything's okay so you can like look have your worst day and feel like you look like poo but if you have red lipstick on, it just, it can make your whole day, ladies, and, and maybe gentlemen that are listening, whoever wants to wear a red lipstick, wear it. We've all been put here for a reason, and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Hi, everyone. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Okay, just a few housekeeping notes, which I like to now do. I love saying housekeeping. It makes me sound like I'm like in a business meeting. Um, so this, I'm in a really good mood today. And I realized this morning when I woke up, um, I, you know, I'm usually like yelling to get the kids out of the house. And you know what it is? And I'm going to tell my guests this. I, I figured out that this morning I was in a good mood because I was listening to Lizzo. So I feel like every morning now I'm going to start listening to Lizzo because it just like made me, it made me really happy. I didn't, I found myself not yelling at my kids to get out of the house. I usually start my day with really depressing news. And today I started my morning with Lizzo and music. So I think I'm going to start I'm going to try and do that. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing is please do not forget to leave me a review on Apple or wherever you listen. I am begging of you. It helps me. Um, I haven't been asking lately and it does help my new listeners find me. 
um, and it helps me um, with on Apple. So I would really appreciate that if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, Amazon, wherever you're streaming or my website, judgingmegan.com, small plug. Also, I have added or Matt, because I'm pretending like I'm technical, I'm not. Um, Matt, my amazing website guy added the, a buy me an oat milk latte button. So I am a podcaster that if you want to throw me a dollar and you listen to my podcast every week, I would love that because it's a lot of work to have content every week. Um, I love it. I love meeting new people. I can't wait to talk to my guests today. Lastly, um, I'm still begging of you to subscribe to my podcast on um, YouTube, because I know you're listening. And maybe you're thinking, I don't want to go listen again on YouTube. You don't have to, you can just go to YouTube and subscribe. I'm going to start putting additional content on YouTube. Okay, this is my story. So um, my daughter, and I'm going to sound like an obnoxious stage mom, okay, which is not what I ever want to be in my life. But my daughter has followed my footsteps and she loves musical theater and she loves acting. This is my eight-year-old. And so they had an audition for the show, Annie. And in my head, I was like, okay, all summer, mom, I have to be Annie. She watches Annie. Annie was the reason as a child, I wanted to become an actress. And I was a theater major in college and did all the stage I did my whole life. So my dad, when I was a little girl, before he passed away, he would every day bring home these trading cards for my brother. They were baseball cards. And because my dad was like a total jock and we had nothing in common whatsoever, he really tried with me. And I was always singing like show tunes and like leaping through the house after dance. And so he would bring me home these Annie trading cards. I was obsessed with Annie. I watched it. I saw it on uh, the Kennedy Center in DC like a million times with my mom. I loved it. I sang The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow at every event, even like when Father Gatto, my priest at Our Lady of Mercy retired, I sang it. I sang The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow at my grandmother's funeral. I sang it everywhere. Everyone would ask me to sing it as a kid. So when Ella tried out for Annie and they sent out the, the um, casting, and I saw that she got Annie, I couldn't help but start hysterically crying because it really reminded me of like how I'm going to get emotional, but like that my dad isn't here and I wish he knew her and he saw her, but also it, I, I'm so embarrassed. I was hysterically crying because I was so happy. It was like a full circle moment of knowing that even though he's not on this planet and he's not on earth, he's with me and he's with us. And so I know that's like such a stage mom thing to say, but I was really happy and I started crying <laughs> and Ella was like, mom, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? <laughs> I was more excited You're for her to get Annie than she was. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's my story for the week. Um, I'm already crying in the beginning of the episode. I would like to introduce you all to Megan Onan. Megan spells her name the wrong way. I'm just going to tell you that, Megan. It's M-E-A-G-A-N Onan. She is, wait till you hear her resume. It is not impressive at all. I have to put my glasses on to say this. She is an award-winning author and speaker, and she her award-winning book, Creating Your Heaven on Earth, 
and courage, agreeing to disagree is not enough, um, are available. Where are they available, Megan? Can people get them on your website? Everywhere. And you have a new, <laughs> you have a new book coming out in January called Held and Free, correct? That's right. I do. Yeah, it'll be out in January. I mean, that's really, really not impressive at all. Um, I would love to pick your brain <laughs> on how you became an award winning. And also you've spoken um, and gotten praise from Desmond Tutu. So not a big deal at all. <laughs> um, humbling for sure. Megan, it's such an honor to meet you and have you on. Um, I, again, am sorry that you spell your name the wrong way, but I think that we have in common the Irish piece, correct? <laughs> yeah, you said you were a recovering Catholic and I was like, Where, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm not a recovering Catholic. I'm a reformed Catholic, which means- Reformed I, Catholic, I am sorry. very spiritual. I, yeah, reformed. I'm very spiritual. I go to mass. I'm, I live for my, my priest at my church. He's my, he's my everything. And, um, awesome. and I, and, but what I, when I say reformed, I mean, I would like the Catholic church to be up to speed. I believe in gay marriage. I believe in mo most young yeah. Catholics believe in the things that I think we both can agree that it's time women should be priests. Lots of there's lots of yes. changes that need to go into the faith, but I right. and I did and I will tell you this before we start talking about you. I did and I have talked about this in the podcast. I did kind of go through periods in my life where I left the church, uh, due to like, well, why is this happening with priests or? But I've always had, so, like myself had such a good experience with my faith and leaned so heavily on yeah. my faith, even in my darkest times when I walked away from my faith. Um, and honestly, like I credit my, the priest, my priest that I adore as helping save my life. Um, so for me, um, I just, it's, it's my rock. And I think reading your bio faith is really extraordinarily important to you as well. Yeah, it is. And I, and I will say that, you know, um, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but as a gay woman in growing up in the Catholic church, I actually found a lot of support there here in Mississippi even. And that church wow. has been, the community of that church has been very supportive to my family, the priest included. Um, and they yeah. have been very helpful and willing to have conversations and communicate. And so I have found that community to, to be behind me and my family through, through definitely our toughest times. Well, I love that. And we're going to kind of dive into that, but I think it is so important to acknowledge because I think, uh, that there's a lot of Catholics out there that believe in equality and it's time to change. And I know like even in my own church, there is an LGBTQ plus group. So I believe it's moving in the right direction. That's what I'll say. Um, so let's, yeah, let's sure. start with you, where, where you grew up um, and kind of get your backstory, Megan. Yeah, well, I grew up in Starkville, Mississippi, which is where Mississippi State University is. 
And um, like I just said, I grew up in the Catholic church and I was, I was kind of that, that kid that always questioned everything about how mass went or how life went. I was very curious. I didn't understand why wouldn't women couldn't be in leadership. I didn't understand um, why I had to ask God for forgive. I mean, a priest for forgiveness when I had this relationship, this personal relationship with God, whom I felt like I could communicate with on my own. Why did I need to go through a person Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. that? So I was just naturally curious spiritually. And I'd often really confuse my parents with my questions, but they kind of rolled with it and supported me there. And um, they didn't really have answers for me. So it really led me to being a very quiet and private person and finding my spirituality in my writing and um, in my journals and in my diaries and became very close to God in that way for myself because I didn't feel like I was being fully fed spiritually. I felt like there was there was more for me and I wanted to learn more and I wanted to understand more, but I didn't have a lot of places here in Mississippi where I could go and learn different ways of thinking and seeing the world. And I was just very hungry to learn spiritually. So I was that kind of kid, this deep thinker, always, you know, just really looking at life and studying it and being very curious about what it was, you know, what, what it all entailed, you know, it was, it was just a big mystery and it's still a big mystery, but um, it's something that I'm very curious about. So um, growing up was just a very traditional family. My parents were high school sweethearts. They're still married to this day. They still are very much in love with each other and they're adorable and cute. And I have two brothers <laughs> and I, I went to college at Mississippi State. I played athletics at Mississippi State, basketball and softball. And um, when it came to my senior year, I started really seeing who I was and I dated my first girl and hit it for a long time. I don't know how I did that, but I did. And there was just so much shame around it that I was really just terrified of even coming out. And once I did finally come out, it was, my fear was matched. And so I had a, I was a a part of a fellowship of Christian athletes, which was a Christian fellowship for athletes at the university. And was basically excommunicated from the organization and had a really tumultuous time with them. And then with my family, it was hard because this was new for them. It was new for me. It was uncharted water waters. We didn't have anyone in our family that we could relate to. And so it was just a really hard time for everybody. And it, it led me to, to leave Mississippi. Uh, my older brother, Actually, when after I came out, my mom brought the whole family over and my older brother, he was like, you know, you should probably leave Mississippi. It'll be safer for you somewhere else. And so I really took that to heart. And I was like, you know, it probably would be. I need to get out of here. I felt like I had disappointed everyone. I felt like I had let everyone down and um, I needed to find myself outside of the pressure of the culture of society and of just everything that I had been through and find a way through and find some kind of worthiness within. So I left for a long time. I ended up in Florida and Colorado. And in 2008, when my first book was published, um, I met my now wife. So we've been together 14 years and married for eight. Um, 
we started our relationship. I kind of started my career, I quit my last eight to five job and started my entrepreneurial journey as a writer and speaker, because that's what I always wanted to do. And we ended up coming to Mississippi in 2010. And so you came back to Mississippi. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you and bring up two points that you brought up. Okay. Um, I, I love what you said about that your spirituality was about you and God, not mm-hmm. like the middleman of like the additional layer. Right. And I think that that's so important for people to understand that if you like my listeners have all, all different kinds of beliefs, right? For yeah. me, there's a God for you. There's a God. Yeah. Right. But I do, I was like that too. As a little girl, I think I came out just knowing like I was so spiritual, like, so I was fascinated by heaven. Um, I don't know if it yeah. was because I had the trauma of losing my sister so young that mm. I I had to know like about God and I had to understand like, am I going to see God again or, or am I going to see God one day? And is my sister with God? So I spent yeah. a lot of my childhood just trying to be like, you know, like doing all the right things and following all the rules until a certain point. And I can talk about that later. But I love that you said that because I think it's so important because your spiritual your spirituality is really about you and God. That's what it's about as a human being on this earth. There, you know, going to church, going to mass, I mentioned my priest, all the other layers are important too. But I just I love that you said that. And then the second thing I want to say is. I, at one point saying on this, um, on this cruise ship when I was a teenager and it was, it was my best summer ever. So I was singing like all show tunes on a cruise ship and it was just me and a bunch of like, you know, guys, and they were all like dancers and singers. and, And I just had so much fun. And I remember, I'll never forget this. One of them told me this story about how he grew up in the South and he was in a fraternity. And, um, and he said, he said, I had to lie about who I was, you know, I could never come out. I could never really be who I was. And I was so shamed (laughs) by it, by my parents when I finally did that. I legitimately like was going to take my own life. And, um, and so I, I think that's why it's so important to me to spread the stories of people. Like it breaks my heart that you were just in college playing sports, trying to be like a 19 year old kid or however old you were and dating somebody because that's who you are. You're not attracted to men. You're attracted to women. There's nothing wrong. That's God put you on this earth as the person that you are. I happen to be attracted to a man, but if I was attracted to a woman, like, so I'm going to be, kicked out of my town and chastised like that's not what christianity and religion's about period so i just i needed to stop you and like point that out because every time i hear a story like that and i think every single you know i mean my best most of my best friends are gay every single one of my friends or guests that I've had on has told the story of coming out and very few of them were told, told their stories with open arms, you know, like an acceptance. And I think it would probably be even harder in the South. So I'll shut my mouth and let you speak. 
<laughs> no, thank you for all of that. I, I agree with you, you know, that you pointed out the having that your own relationship with God, whatever that looked like, you know, like this morning I was feeling very disconnected and the simple act of putting on some music that I really liked. You talked about that too. And journaling and getting connected again to that part of me is what just changed my whole day, you know, and it, it lifted me up and I realized you can't, you can't always run on empty. You can't always run on, you know, fumes. We're so inundated with so much information all the time with technology and the world and everything that's going on that having those pause moments to just refuel, you know, that's, that's the God that's important to me. And I have a three and a half year old and she says it very simply. She's like, you know, God is in my heart. And if, and if I follow her lead and I connect to my heart, then that's where my God is. And so for me, that's that's essentially where I am in my journey spiritually is just really connecting back to that part of me, that bigger part of me that's inside of me, that's inside of all of us and and remembering that it's all connected. So I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because it's nice for me to reflect on, too. And were you listening to Lizzo as well? Were we both listening no. to Lizzo? <laughs> no, I was I not. I so wish I would have been, though. <laughs> Can you imagine, can you imagine if you were like, and then, and then this morning I was journaling and I was also listening to, it's about damn time in a minute. I love that song. (laughs) I listen to it all the time. Anyway, sometimes I do. I had to just say Sometimes I just go get a workout on with that music. Yeah. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So it can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem solving mode when faced with challenges in life. Something that I found is in my own experience, I was in therapy for a long time, loved my therapist. She's taking a break so she can write a book. So I decided to fill out the survey myself on BetterHelp. And I will tell you right now, I was matched up with the best therapist. I didn't think it was possible. I used my own discount and I did it. So I just want you to know that this is not just an ad. I'm actually a real BetterHelp client. I love it. I love the therapist they matched me up with. And I can just tell you it was super convenient. It's a great option. It's accessible. It's affordable. And it's entirely online. So what you do is you type in betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Judging Megan. And now back to the show. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Yeah. Um, so so going back to what you were saying. Right. Um, so coming back to Mississippi, you know, and facing my trauma, has often seemed very crazy to other people, but it was, you know, it was like this stage in my life where things are going well and I was happy. And, but there was still this part of me that just felt very, um, I don't know, just unhealed. And I, I, there was so much personal work for me to do. And I knew that I, I didn't have confidence in being an LGBTQ person And that was very clear to me that Mm -hmm. when I would come home to Mississippi and visit my family, like I still wanted to hide. I still had all of that shame. 
and I didn't want to be out in public and and face my hometown. So I knew that at some point, if I were going to face the darker parts of me that I didn't love, that I had to come back. And so I didn't want to come back, but I knew I had to come back. It was one of those things. It was like, I remember standing in my friend's kitchen in Colorado and looking out the window and just like seeing this vision of Mississippi and this calling back to come back here. And I knew it was for, for me. I knew I didn't want to do it, but I was like, I have to, if I want to heal. And so, and Claire, my wife, she, she had never, ever been to the South. And she was like, let's go. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I was like, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. (laughs) But she, she's adventurous. So tell me what it was like for once you got back. And, and I, and it does make sense to me. Like it does make sense. Cause I say this all the time We're you know, we're here on this earth for such a short period of time. And in my opinion, it's a, we go through a series of tests and it's like, well, this happened and then this happened. And there's a reason, like they say, everything happens for a reason, which can be irritating to people. But to me, I really do believe that. And I do believe that there's there's a reason why you were called back to Mississippi. And I do want to get into the piece of something that you talk about um, a lot is forgiveness and how important forgiveness is. And that piece of you that was called you back to Mississippi. Tell me about that. Tell me about like what it was like once you got back, how your heart was and and were you able to like work on the forgiveness like down the line with like family or whoever had hurt you? Tell me about that piece of it. Well, I would say, you know, being here 12 years now since 2010, it's been a journey and it's been like baby step after baby step after baby step. But when I first got back here, I remember feeling just like scared to death, so afraid to be myself, so unsure. And I remember when we first rented the first house that we picked when we moved to Mississippi, I did not tell the landlord that someone was going to be, that another woman was going to be moving in with me. I made him believe that it was just me because I was so scared of him finding out and then wanting to kick us out. That's how scared I was to be myself. And so that's where it all started was that it sounds to me like it's so that is such an archaic thing. Like just because I have always lived in like, you know, cities that doesn't, I can't even relate to that. Although I do have a lot of family in Charleston, South Carolina, and that's my happy place. Um, but yeah, I mean, just being like having to like hide and be afraid. I can't even, it doesn't even, I can't even imagine what that was like. Well, it's, and it's possible that, you know, if I had told him, he would have been like, oh, that's great, whatever, you know, but I didn't give him that opportunity. And so as time went on, I realized, okay, if I want to be myself, I have to give people an opportunity to see me and love me for who I am. And if I'm not being authentic and I'm not being, you know, somewhat vulnerable and putting myself out there, then, you know, how am I ever going to connect with myself fully or other people fully? And so as time went on, Mm -hmm. I started to do that. And I actually... Um, in just a few years, I started my own blog called everyone's gay and it became a very 
um, popular thing in the area where people were wanting to have discussions with me over Facebook, Facebook Messenger, emails, phone calls. And then before I know it, I'm on the radio and I'm on TV and, you know, the city is pushing for equality measures and everybody wants me to come speak to city council. And so, you know, or Mississippi State calls me for National Coming Out Day and I tell my story on stage. It goes on the front page of the newspaper and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes calls me to apologize. Like there is just story after story after story of me just trying to embed myself and my story into the culture here and where people have met me there um, and wanted to learn and come together and find a way to communicate and have hard conversations. And I'm not saying that it's been smooth and easy. It's been very rocky. I've, I've got plenty of stories too, where the opposite is true, where, you know, my wife and I were work, working a contract with someone and they fired us because they found out we were gay. So, you know, there's, you know, it's being business owners and being an openly gay family. It's, it's had its many, many challenges of, of, us really stepping up to be ourselves and put ourselves out there, even when it's been really scary most of the time. But over the course of time, things have gotten so much easier. And I would say now, you know, where we are now, it's, um, I don't even, I don't think about it very often. You know, sometimes my, my daughter's in preschool and I get a little bit, you know, trepidatious about like other parents finding out that Merit has, two moms, but people always surprise me and things are very different now and things have really moved forward. But I think for the forgiveness piece, the hardest thing for me has been self-forgiveness and forgiving myself for not loving myself enough to be authentic in those moments that I wanted to be myself, but I was too scared to be. So it's been a lot of self-healing too, of hiding myself and not putting myself forward and, and being my true self in front of other people or whatever it may be. That's, that's been a big one, a big forgiveness part of my journey. And the other part of it has been, you know, really healing those relationships that are meaningful for me and having those hard conversations and having forgiveness around my trauma and my experiences. So it's kind of twofold. Let me ask you, it may like the amount of trauma. I actually, I was having a chat yesterday with one of my very best friends. His name is Josh. He's been on the podcast numerous times. Um, and we were ha- talking about ch- like our trauma, which we have deep conversations about constantly. Most of my friends, like I, I'm a very deep person, if you can't tell. And I like to talk about like, I like to small talk and talk about dumb things and like real housewives and all those things. Also, I adore talking about. But he and I were kind of like, he was telling me, um, you know, like, I'm kind of having a hard day. And And I'm just feeling blue. And I was like, well, I've been feeling blue lately, too. And you know, um, I don't know why I think it's just, there's been a lot of stuff going on in my own life, like where there's been like people going to funerals or people hearing somebody sick, like a lot of that stuff has been happening. And he told me, he told me this story and he was like, you know, I think what it is, is I, 
I realize like this time of year, for some reason, all of my trauma comes up and my childhood Hmm. trauma of like being bullied as a kid because I was different and I was gay and people Hmm. didn't understand me because I was very, you know, like I was different than everyone else where I grew up and they made fun of me. And he's like, and, and like my parents didn't really understand me. And then to like shift to now, you know, it makes me sad that you said that, that it's like you, people want to test the waters again and trust and be like, well, this is me. I'm a gay person, but you're afraid to tell people because Mm -hmm. it's like, you were so traumatized by who you were and sharing, like putting out your cards as a teenager, which is still a kid that it like still traumatizes you to this day. And, and it's like, well, taking your kid to preschool, that shouldn't even be something that you even should like think twice about. Like you have two gay parents. That's awesome. You know, they're just like everyone (laughs) else's parents. They just happen to be the same sex. Um, but it just, I had to point that out because it's, it just, it makes me, it's such a, it's such a common conversation and thread that I have with my friends that, you know, were, you know, straight and gay might've been bullied or might've had trauma as a child that it's like, they're afraid, like for me personally, I was in like a really bad friend breakup a, a couple years ago. And now I'm in a totally different place. And I have these, you know, I always have my friends from growing up and people I can trust, but I have a whole new group of friends. And sometimes I'm afraid to tell them things or there's like trust issues because I had been so burnt by my old friends that it's like, and like, I had one of my friends tell me the other day, she's like, well, Megan, I love you. It doesn't matter if like you say that I'm not going to not be your friend anymore over something so stupid, you know, like it makes sense that all of these things as human beings make us and to feel the way that they, we feel because we don't feel wanted and it's all stems from trauma. Totally. And we, and as human beings too, we yearn for connection and we yearn for deep connection and we yearn for trust so there's this constant battle mm-hmm. and we all experience it. It doesn't matter if we're gay or straight or religious or not religious or whatever it may be. We all have trauma and we all have trust issues, you know? So, so for me, it's like, okay, do I want to sit in that lack of trust forever or do I want to try again? And at the end of the day, I always want to try again because to me, it's worth it. And like you said earlier, you know, we're only here for a short amount of time. And I feel like we're here to experience love and we're here to experience connection on new levels. And, and that's, you know, really it. And so for me, that's what pushes me to dig a little bit deeper when it's really scary. And it's also the thing that gets me to a place with other people where I can actually have a deeper connection because it was something that, we both wanted, but you know, every, there's going to be seasons of friendships. There's going to be seasons of relationships and people are going to come and go our entire lives. And that's okay. They don't all have to stay. It's just a part of the nature of being a human being, I suppose. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I love that you say that like it everything has its seasons and it is true. Like some friends, some friends or people stay in our life for a short period and there's a lesson to be had by every single person yeah. that comes into your life. Yeah. Even if it's like at a at a Starbucks, you right. know? Yeah. And you have an interaction and it's like negative, like I, I was telling you before we recorded, I, I have a, um, I have an Irish temper. It's one of my, like, I'm, I have a lot, I'm heavily flawed, but it's one of my biggest flaws <laughs> is my, te- my Irish temper and nothing drives me more crazy. And I talked about this in my last episode when I was, it was like 550 degrees here. And I was just like really hot. And I came into the podcast like in a bad mood and some lady was rude to me at school, at my kid's school. And, um, but I hate it when like you um, hold the door open for somebody and they don't say thank you. It drives me insane. Like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. So sometimes when people, when I hold the door open for somebody and they don't say thank you, I go, you're welcome. Because... (laughs) It really drives me insane. <laughs> so my point is that re- that brief relationship with the rude person in Starbucks, that happened for a reason. I still don't really know why, but I- I've had a lot of those kinds of stories. But it is true. Everything has its seasons. Our relationships, some will last a lifetime if we're yeah. lucky. Yeah. Um, marriages you know, like are not easy. My husband Mm -hmm. and I have been together 20 plus years. We met young. We literally want to wring each other's neck (laughs) at least three times a week. Um, And then add add in the kid, which you understand. And it's even more. Um, I want to ask you, because I know that you talk a lot about this. How did you get, like, let's talk about forgiveness because this is important to me selfishly. Mm I am one of the things that I am trying desperately to get to in my own personal life is not being so angry and to be able to forgive. And I had a guest come on, I think like a last month and her story is 
awful. Her husband had oh, been wow. murdered and he was God. brutally murdered and she had to identify the body and he was oh, cheating on her with a prostitute. Oh, no. It was a whole thing. And she, yeah, she told me the story and I said, well, how did you like, how did you forgive? How did you forgive him? He was gone and he left her with like all this debt and it was just awful. And she said, well, I just, I don't forgive. I've turned that side where everybody says, well, you have to forgive. That's part of being a Christian. You have to forgive. She said, instead, I went and I went to like third world countries and I volunteered. And that's my way of, I'll never forgive him. But I would love to hear your opinion on forgiveness. Because for me, I cannot seem to get over some really hard things that I went through and be able to forgive. And I wish I could. So I would love you to talk about that. I think it depends on your definition of forgiveness. You know, I mean, I th- I think I think okay. we never really forget the trauma and the hard things that we've been through that have hurt us. And if you wanted to dive into a memory or an experience or a conflict or a challenge that was hurtful, I think we can always jump back into that pretty easily and feel all of the emotions, no matter how much work we've done. I mean, I can go back to the day I came out and sit in that story. I've been writing my memoir. This next book is my memoirs and, you know, writing all these stories out. It's really put me back in those. And it's been really hard, you know? And so I I think that forgiveness, I, I like what you just told me about the other woman, because I think forgiveness is just an everyday choice. And Um, and I think it's for me anyway, it's been like, okay, I want inner freedom. I want to feel wholeness. I want to feel fullness in my life. What do I need to do to have that? And in some days, you know, I, I'm mad and I take it out on other people. I take it out on my wife or I take it out on my daughter or whatever, but I never feel good about that in the end. And then I have to go and resolve it and, you know, take care of it in, in my own way, as far as talking to them and all of that. But it's always good feedback for me that there's something going on or I'm not taking care of myself or whatever it is, or I'm feeling a lack of connection to God. Um, So for me, I think it's just an everyday journey. It's an everyday choice and bringing our full authentic selves to everything that we do helps ease the the burden of the past, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I, I also think that over the years, I've been willing to have the hard conversations with the people who I want to continue to have a relationship with. And they've met me there. And I feel very fortunate for that. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to relationships and hard things, I think the first thing you have to ask yourself is like, do I want to have a relationship with that person? They hurt me, but do I still want to continue that? And am I willing to do what it's going to take? Am I willing to say what I have to say in order to heal that relationship? And then the other side of that is, do you not want to have a relationship with that person? How do you forgive a person that you know you don't want to move forward with? And I think a big aspect of that too is saying your piece whether it's to them or to a counselor or to whoever is being able to get off your heart, how you actually feel like your real feelings about that situation and actually say them 
until we can acknowledge the truth, I don't feel like we can ever really be set free. I know that's cliche, but it's, that's the, that's what I have found for me is just pouring myself out. And what I truly feel is the only thing that has gotten me to some sense of inner freedom. I think, I think for me, I don't, I, I think that's the stumbling block and I'm glad you pointed that out. I don't, I think I don't forgive because I was so hurt and I have no interest whatsoever in having a relationship with the people that hurt me yeah. so badly, not, not even an yeah. ounce. So, um, and you can hear my anger as I say that, because that's how, Treme- how, what a trem- how tremendously they hurt me. Yeah. Um, I, I, but it is something that I know hurts me is this anger. And, and it, and it also comes from a deeper place of trauma from my childhood and just like the PTSD that I have from what I went through. Um, tell me about your fan, like your parents, are, are, are you, do you, are you in a good place with your oh, family? Yeah. Are they, is that like what you were talking about? Like finding forgiveness and yeah, I would love to know that. Well, one of the things that, you know, my mom and I have always had a very, we've always been very connected and I've always had a very special relationship. And so when I came out, mm-hmm. her response was to cry uncontrollably and um, try to understand, but her response to me was one of fear and I didn't feel like I was being fully supported. She didn't say, I don't support you. I don't love you. She said she loved me and that she wanted to support me, but the emotional disconnect was very painful for me. And so years later, we were still Mm -hmm. kind of going through this like cycle of discussion about being gay and, you know, her trying to accept it and all of that. It's just Mm -hmm. a really hard thing for her. I was like, okay, mom, you know, like we need to revisit my coming out day together. And I need to tell you about my experience. I need you to tell me about your real experience. So we wrote letters to each other and, and I was just honest about how her response made me feel. And she was honest about her feelings when I told her that I was gay and we were just brutally honest in our letters. And so we got to see each other's experiences that were real in that moment and then we had, we gave ourselves a few days to read and kind of like process. And then we came back and had a conversation about what we had discovered about each other through the letters. And I think since then, we were able to move on in a, in a brand new way. We still have, you know, we just have normal relationship issues that any mother daughter have now, like but we're so brutally honest with each other that it comes and it goes, it comes and it goes, it comes and it goes because we've established this foundation of like, Hey, I know you love me. I know I love, she knows I love her. We know we don't want to hurt each other ever. And there's some level of trust there that now it's like, okay, I know I can say anything and it's going to be okay. And so we've established that. And I think you're really facing the trauma head on is the one thing that got us through kind of like that, that fogginess of uncertainty with each other. So that was a super helpful thing that we did for us. Um, I love, I I don't know if you saw that I was crying. (laughs) 
I think that's the most beautiful thing to write a letter because letters are so special, right? I mean, like writing a letter to another person. I did a spiritual retreat. Um, I've done a few of them, but I did one years ago. And I got letters from my mom and like my sisters and, um, and my older sister like wrote me something that she had never said to me. And it was just like a story about something that like happened when we were kids and like just the visual, like, like just the right brained part. I'm heavily right brain. I don't even think my left brain works. Um, that's a joke. Um, it was like, I'm so touched by the visualization of writing and like reading something. So I think letters and, and like for a family, I think that's such a beautiful thing, you know, for, for a kid, especially any parent wouldn't wish their child to be gay. I mean, they just wouldn't, it's a, such a hard life and it's, and it's, it's um, to this day, even hard. I mean, with what the government's trying to do now, don't get me started. I don't get political on the podcast, but it is a scary time with like laws being, you know, trying to overturn laws and all the things that are happening and taking us like 50 years backwards instead of forwards, which is where I think half the population wants to go. And then there's like a person. I like to think that people are good for the most part. Yeah. So there's a really small population that wants to go backwards, but you know, it's a scary time. And then for a parent to be told, you know, part of it as a parent is, um, you know, you're a mom, I'm a mom. Yeah. Uh, If one of my kids came to me and which this, you know, could happen and said, Oh, like I'm gay. Well, being the parent, you would, you would immediately go, what's the right thing to say. right? Right. And then you would say in your head, you would think, well, it's so hard. And I wonder if your mom just knew it wasn't out of love, but it was like the reaction that so many parents do have when their child tells them that they're gay because they know what a hard life they're looking at and it's not the love. So I think the idea of sitting down and writing a letter and saying, this is who I am. I I don't know. I think that's just such a beautiful thing that like literally is so touching to me and made me ugly, for a second, but I'm okay. <laughs> well, I put the, I put the letters in, in my book actually. So they're there in their raw form. And, um, it's also a helpful tool when you don't have that letter to exchange to the other person, because you know, you don't want the relationship or, you know, you don't want to move forward because it's therapeutic. It allows you to write out your feelings and the experience and everything mm-hmm. you've been through. And then you can go burn out a fire or do whatever you want to do with it. But it's a very th- therapeutic way to deal with things because until you acknowledge the experience for what it was and how you felt in that moment and all of the feelings and emotions that came with it, like how can you move forward until those have been acknowledged and validated? Oh, I love that. Can you tell me like, as we kind of wrap up, I want to hear about your books. So your best-selling award-winning book, Creating Your Heaven on Earth. Can you just briefly describe what that's about? Sure. It was a book that I um, I wrote when I was in a bad relationship, <laughs> which is hilarious. But I was trying to write my way to what I knew was true for me, which was like, I should be living the life I want to live. And I deeply believed in happiness and joyfulness and fullness and wholeness. 
And so the book is really about like what my spiritual beliefs are. And it's got little stories and essays throughout. It's a short read. It's a simple read. It's an easy read. And um, it really, I wrote my way out of that relationship. Thank goodness. And so the next book, Courage, Agreeing to Disagree is Not Enough. I wrote that in 2014 when we had been in Mississippi for four years and I had all these experiences. We're on the verge of marriage equality in 2015 and, you know, hearing time after time after time, Megan, I love you, but I don't agree with your lifestyle or Megan, I love you, but I don't agree with you getting married. It's okay that you and Claire live together, but don't get married. So I just really got sick of hearing that. And I was like, okay, how can we bridge the gap and like have these conversations? Like we need to get beyond agreeing to disagree. And so the book is about some of those stories, some of those conversations I had and and just my beliefs around finding a bridge between our differences. Um, Because when I came out, I felt like here I am, this person, and I have this life and all these people in my life. And now I'm a label. Like I'm not Megan anymore. I'm just, I'm just gay. Like, there's no more me in there. And so getting beyond our labels is something I've been very passionate about in my work. And so, so that was that one. Um, And then this one held in free is coming. I'm writing this from, I think a very healed place um, from where I've come from. And so it's, it's a memoir. It's all of my stories. It's, it's my journey. It's the in-depth spiritual journey that I've taken and how I've dealt with everything. And it's it's a book of, of storytelling. My, my professional work is all about storytelling. And I teach storytelling to, to professional speakers. And I'm a speaker myself. And um, so it's just, it's about the power of storytelling and how it, how it shifts things and changes things for all of us in our, in our healing journeys. So I'm really excited about it, but I'm also very nervous about it because I'm really throwing it all out there on the table. I can't wait. I want to read that. I love reading stories. I'm actually, I might reach out to you for help. You're like, Megan, I just wanted to do one podcast with me alone, please. Um, I'm, I am the biggest procrastinator on the planet. Like I am so unorganized. I am just, I can't, I can't, I really love speaking and talking to people. And I really want to write my book that I've been saying I'm going to write for two years. But my problem is I can't sit down to do it because I know the story, but I don't know how to start. And then, so, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. It's one thing to tell your story, which I do every week on the podcast. It's another thing to write it and put it on paper. So I, I'm always so admire people that, yeah, because you know your story. You're like, I went through it and I'm out the other side or we're really never out the other side. We're still right. here on this planet. So there's a, yeah. much work to be done. Um, But I, I just, I think so much of what you've talked about on this episode, um, you know, especially for, for um, people that are like, have a story and they're like, well, if I come out, like say you are gay and you're listening to this and you're, you know, most of my listeners are a little bit older, but you are in your twenties or teens and you're afraid to talk to a parent. I just love the idea of the letter. That's such a beautiful idea to me. And then just also to understand, especially in these times that nobody chooses to be gay. It, it's part of who you are. Just like, 
being straight is part of who you are, or if you're trans and people are so judged for being different and like, you're just trying to be a person and you're just trying to get through life, right. just like we all are. So honestly, like, but <laughs> the F out, it's yeah. not your life that you have the, the ability, Karen, to judge somebody because they're just yeah. trying to live their life and they want to be married like you do. And they want to have a, yeah. a family like you do. It just shouldn't even matter. It should not even matter. Anyways, Megan, <laughs> I adore you. I like love Same. talking to you today. Where can people, where can my audience find you? I'm on all the social things except TikTok. Well, I'm on TikTok, but I really haven't gotten into it yet. Um, I just can't get there. And so my website's meganonan.com with, with the correct spelling. <laughs> Whatever. Megan, let me just uh -huh. tell you a little secret. TikTok is the biggest nightmare. I'm like, am I, am I like 75 years old? I don't understand it. My 12 year old is like on it 24 hours a day, like mouthing weird words to like videos. I don't even know what she's doing. I have a TikTok. It's horrendously bad. But I just felt like everyone's like, well, if you're a podcaster or a speaker, Same. you need to have a TikTok. And I'm like, I am like the grandma of on TikTok that's like posting stuff that like if I tried to do like one of those videos with my daughter, my voice is like five minutes ahead of the actual where it's supposed to be. It's really okay, embarrassing. Good, so I'm right I, there if... with you. In closing, I loved having you on. Please um, follow Megan. Um, I'm going to post where you can find her on my show notes of my episodes. And you all, like, be kind. That's all I can say. Our world is going through so much right now. And there's so much um, turmoil and unhappiness and unrest and really everybody's just trying to live their life and like get through like these hard times and if we just were a little bit kinder and just like said thank you at starbucks when megan judge holds the door open for you then maybe we would have a much happier world and that was not really what i was trying to go for with that but just like be kind let people be and just live your freaking own life and like let it go in closing, thank you, Megan. You're <laughs> awesome, even though you spell your name wrong. And everyone, be happy by making other people happy. Judging Megan with Megan Judge.